You're listening to The Jack Skilly Show, brought to you by Hammer Media. On Season 1, we're looking at youth development. You can learn more at hmmrmedia.com. Here's your host, professional hockey player, Jack Skilly. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Jack Skilly Show with Martin Bingerson and myself. Um, my dad is the guest today. Last week we had Jack Johnson, one of my good friends, but uh, this week I'm super excited to have my father on on this episode. Again, that's episode number six. Um, my dad was a really great athlete. Um, he's obviously my parent. He knows the parent side of it. Um, successful coach with youth development, youth, uh, youth hockey for a long time. Um, also an athletic director um, at West High School, Madison West High School, um, for n- numerous years. Um, and then kind of as he kind of reached retirement uh, and teaching, uh, a physical education teacher as well, went into substitute teaching and um, started kind of scouting along the way um, here and there uh, for either junior teams or or just local coaches that need some help. So um, pretty well-versed in the sporting world. I think for the parents that are listening, this is going to be a really good podcast to hear a parent speak about their kid and their kid's experience and, and his experience as a parent um, along the way. So, uh, Dad, welcome to the show. Yeah. Um, no fighting. <laughs> I can't guarantee that with our with our history, but <laughs> hey, thanks thanks for having me. I really appreciate. It. I by no means am I an expert in anything. You know, I'm a jack of all trades and master of none. But when I hear, uh, I certainly can't top uh, uh, your five fifth. Uh, podcast with Jack Johnson. I know Jack Johnson is a buddy of yours. I, I know you grew up with him in Ann Arbor, and I just get the kick out of that guy. I'm sure it was a great podcast. Uh, I, I remember Jack Johnson was kind of my buddy because every time I drove all the way across Illinois and Michigan from Wisconsin to go watch you play on a Friday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday series, I could almost bet walking in that I'd be sitting next to Jack Johnson in the stands. Yeah. He was, he, he, I'd go in there and go, Jack, what'd you do? What'd you do this time? And he'd say, Oh, nothing. I didn't do anything. You know, it's just that, you know, I just checked the guy and he mouthed off. So whatever, it's not a big deal. And, and then I'd see you after the game and I'd say, geez, that's too bad that Jack, you know, got kicked out of the game for something stupid like that. You know, he's missing the first game of the series. And, and Jack would say, you'd say, dad, Jack should be in jail. You can't believe what he did. <laughs> Yeah, there are some so, uh, pretty vicious things. He was he was quite the vicious player back when we were playing. He was a lot of fun to play with, though. Um, yeah, yeah. So you you definitely know. I mean, um, you've been through it all with me, but you've you've been through it all yourself. Um, before we kind of hit record here, you, you gave Martin and, and myself uh, um, a, more of a background of of your experience as an athlete, coach, parent. You're, you're basically your journey. In fact, I, I learned a little bit more about you in that you know couple minutes that you're you're talking, which is pretty cool. So, if you don't mind, um, give our listeners um, kind of that same. That same uh, talk, you know, what, what's your background? What's your background with sport? What's your background as an athlete, uh, parent? Um, you know, where did, where did this kind of all begin for you? Yeah, I think it, you know, it, it was a little bit different back then, you know, which everybody says, you know, but it, but it was different. We all grew up kind of, uh, playing multiple sports. I played, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
football, hockey. I ran track. I played some soccer. I played with and against Eric Hyden, who was playing soccer. He was obviously a world uh, uh, champ in, in uh, speed skating. I, I grew up about two blocks away from Mark Johnson, Olympic uh, hockey uh, gold medalist, and so on and so forth. And the guy was an incredible baseball player and uh, actually played a little bit of football early in his high school career, but then was intelligent enough to give that up. But uh, I played, uh, obviously played hockey. I was a little bit of a late, late starter, which I think actually made me a better hockey player, made me a better person to develop somebody if I developed anybody at all, because I knew it, 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 it it, it, you needed to have a lot of stuff off the ice and things that you did on your own to try to catch up or to, to make up. And, and uh, so I did that, I played football. I was actually a prep all American in football, but by that time I had, you know, I, tr- I had just had the, the been bitten by the bug of hockey and I, I gave up uh, uh, two or three scholarships, you know, Michigan had offered me a scholarship at the time, but Bo Schindler, and I just, I just couldn't, I didn't have the heart to play what I, you know, what I really wanted to do is stick with what I love. And that was hockey. So I walked out to the university of Wisconsin and, and lettered there my freshman year. And, and I also ran track in high school. Um, like I said, and I just, I, I was very successful running track because I put so much into it. I was more successful than I should have been. And so ultimately when I became a track coach as well, later on in my life, I coached hockey, football, track, and all that good stuff. And, but as I became a track coach, I realized that a lot of kids just didn't want to put the effort in. And that was probably one of the most frustrating things to me is because like in hockey or whatever, I, I would never ask a kid to do anything that I hadn't done or wanted to do right to this day. I would do it if I could. And there was kids where you, you just, you just can't, you don't get that anymore. A lot of times what you get is you get, uh, you get kids that want to hear what you, what they want to hear, but not what they need to hear. So that's, and that kind of goes to the other end of my coaching career where I kind of got out of it because I just couldn't tell kids uh, that I just, I could only tell people what I wanted to hear. And of course that's led to a lot of things in the course of my career in life. And even with you is that I was pretty straight up with you telling you what you want, what you, what you, what you needed to hear. And even when you're in the NHL and I knew I hadn't seen you for months at a time and you called me about a game and I watched it and I'd say exactly what I felt and you'd hang up on me and we wouldn't talk for a week. And that's tough. That's tough on you, but it's tough on me because it's a situation where as a parent, you're going, God, I just got to talk to my son. It's just like, I haven't seen him for so long. And at the same time, I thought as far as your development would go, it'd be better for me to tell you what you needed to hear. So that kind of in a nutshell is, is my background. I expanded on it a little bit, but hopefully that's okay. Yeah, I think that's great. I think, um, you know, I think a lot of parents need to hear that. Um, it's okay to, you know, to tell your kid the truth, especially when it comes to, to sports. I mean, I'm not a parent. I, I can't empathize. I, I am a parent, but I'm not a parent of a, you know, a, a kid that age just yet. Uh, my kid's four, four months old, so I got some time before I got to figure all that jazz out. But um, not much. You know, I, I think you, you had a good lead in there with, with just coaching. I, we can get back to, you know, you as a parent. Um, uh, and I know that you don't really like talking about your athletic career, but um, I mean, you played, you played hockey with some really cool, uh, successful hockey, hockey people. You were successful as well. I hear that from all your friends, whether you admit it or not. Um, but, you know, you played with Bob Suter. You grew up with Bob Suter, Mark Johnson, and some of those guys from the 1980 uh, Olympic gold medal team, the Miracle on Ice, which is um, really cool. I remember talking to, I think I've talked about it in a past episode about my experience as a kid kind of growing up in that atmosphere around those people um 
kind of making Madison um, kind of a, a diamond in the rough as far as the hockey world goes um, because of that. So can you maybe talk about, you also paid, played for Bob Johnson. I know you have some pretty cool stories, but uh, if you want to just give us kind of like a brief um, talk about your experience playing with Mark Johnson, Bob, Bob Suter and, and being on the, you know, on their college team together at Wisconsin, maybe just being, being a Badger, being a, a hometown, hometown player like myself uh, back in that era in the seventies. What was that like for you? Well, I would say it was, you know, it was actually it was much earlier than, fortunately for me, I was earlier than, than the University of Wisconsin because I, I grew up with those guys and watching those guys. Uh, Mark was a little bit younger than me, but he's always moved up and he played, you know, with us or he was always around and he lived in our neighborhood. So, he, you know, we, we kind of developed hockey in a lot of the same ways. Um, and Bobby Suter played for uh, his dad, Coach Marlon Suter, coached across town and had a great team, the Madison Lakers. And, and uh, so it was really, really cool to watch those guys develop. And I, I kind of did that as a young player. I, wa- I knew who the good players were, and I would kind of model my game after them to some degree. Um, I remember watching them and just learning them visually, you know, how to skate and to do things. And, and I think the the one thing that I got from those guys is that both, like if you want to talk about Mark and Bobby, is that they just absolutely loved the game. There were times that Mark would do something in the game and then he just kind of, he'd kind of look and he'd just kind of, or he'd come back to the bench and just kind of laugh like, huh, how'd I do that or whatever. But it's just, there's some natural things, but it's also the fact that, so they grew up on outdoor ice and they, and they, and they developed and they, they, they truly had a love for the game because as you know, um, as you, as you go through the game of hockey, even those guys, when they're very, very successful, there were times where it was a grind I and mean, it was, it was not fun to play, but the love of the game brought them through that. And you could really see that. And I don't, people don't realize this, but Bobby Suter broke his leg uh, just before the Olympics. Was, and, and, and so he couldn't even play. And yet I remember him coming back to town and skating and trying to get back. He just barely made the Olympics and thank God Herb Brooks put him on the team and things like that. He was an incredible, valuable part of that team prior to that. And so, um, you know, he brought him in, but again, the love of the game got a guy like Bobby Suter through such a terrible time where he could have been just knocked off the Olympic team, you know, a month before this, the, the, the tournament. So that's what I remember about those guys. And of course, at University of Wisconsin, they were, they were incredibly successful and, and then and, and so and moved on with their career. Yeah, that's really cool. I remember I just loved hanging around those guys whenever we get a chance. Um, some of the, your old teammates are just um, it, the hockey world has changed. Um, there's they're totally different characters from that that era of hockey. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, you were. It's interesting too, but you talk about um, watching those guys play and learning, and, and you had a late start, so you didn't. And you were the first person in our family to play the game, so you didn't really have anybody in our family to teach you. So you, it was pretty much self-taught through, um, you know, visual learning, like you said. And it was really interesting. Jack said the same thing in the last episode, right, Martin? Where it's he, you know, had the chance. He, he talked about just just going out and playing and and playing shinny and and. Uh, you know, we call Shinny and hockey this uh, going out there and, and you know, scrimmaging against your buddies. Um, but he, he said he, he did that a lot over at Shattuck. Um, he said that was his favorite time on the ice. That was his time that he could learn from guys like Crosby and Zach Parisi and all those players. So it's really cool to hear you say that. So in a lot of ways, um, from that aspect, things really haven't changed since, uh, since you were a kid. Um, 
which is I think important as well for parents here. But um, to not go too far into that, um, I, I, I want to talk to you, talk about you know as a coach, you you did bring that up. Um, you know what what were some things you know you coached high school for I think it was like thirty years, Madison West, um, Team Wisconsin before and after AAA team. You guys won a national championship, um, first in the first in the state's history. I think it, to to win a national championship at the AAA level. Um, so I mean you you're pretty well versed in the um, youth development aspect of youth youth hockey um, in Wisconsin, especially. I mean what what are some things that you kind of see. But uh, maybe the remember the kids at, at that time, and and now see if kids these days were some things that are different, um, and and maybe some advice for for coaches that are out there and how to handle it. Well, first of all, I like to define uh, what shinny is. Shinny is obviously like you said, playing out on the outdoor ice and no rules and things like that. But shinny came along because the old days nobody had shin pads, and you just got your shins just shellacked every single time you play the game <laughs> you come home and you you come home and your mom would say what the heck happened to you and you go i don't know we're just playing shinny you know and it's like well, you gotta quit that game <laughs> but That's awesome. as you said i think yeah, some of the differences um you know this is just from my area to, era to the high school and like the like you were talking about all the players and is that we we grew up outdoors, and even before that, you know, the Gordy Howes, you hear stories of them having a pond and coming in. Their mom would put cardboard down the on the floor, and they'd come in from the pond, they'd eat dinner, and they'd go back out and play. And, and Bob Johnson, who you know basically developed hockey, is for sure in the state of Wisconsin, and that's why what brought everything along is that you know he was a big believer in the ice is the teacher, you know, and and, and Mark Johnson says that all the time. And uh, I think that's what even Jack Johnson said about being with Crosby and those guys. It wasn't talking about the, the, the drill that we did or the thing that we did or the game, but it was just going out there and playing games on the ice and learning and being creative and learning how to play the game. And that's what's really been lost. And part of that's because we don't have the ice time. Uh, but you can create you can create ice time, and I can talk about that later on if you wanted to. But um, uh, that one time, I, I, here's where I knew who was a good coach. I remember ja, uh, Bob Johnson, again, if he had one drill, he had one he was asked, he had one drill to, to do, what would it be? And, he said, and he's got a zillion drills, let me tell you, because I played for him and I watched him. But he said, a scrimmage, that'd be my only drill. And then I had a, uh, I listened to another one. And a, and a buddy of yours where it's not to knock anybody, but somebody asked that same question in Chicago to Savard, when he was the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. And he came up with this incredibly goofy kind of complicated breakout drill. And I was like, Oh my God, if you've ever seen a, a, a coach at the youth level, want to destroy a kid or destroy a, a, a development. It's like, we got to work on breakout this week. So everybody sit on the ice of the one of the two hours we get this week. You guys sit for 20 minutes on one knee while I draw this up. And then we'll go do it like five guys at a time and waste your entire career right there. I, I watched it so many times and I'm, I'm, I'm up. Uh, I, I watch it right now where I'm, where I'm currently living up in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, not to knock anybody, but I see that and it's a constant fight and there are people that are willing to learn uh, but there's also some old guards that, that don't want it to happen. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you bring up. And I, I think to, to kind of empathize, empathize with, with um, coaches, like, you know, uh, Angelo Ricci, and I think it was episode three, kind of brought up the, the fact that, you know, we got to remember as, um, as parents and just, you know, 
co-coaches and all that were these some of these some of these coaches and are, are volunteer coaches they, they don't really know much about the game but um i think you're i think you're nailing a, a a very big good point that needs to be discussed that isn't really talked about enough um and all the people that kind of know the game of hockey understand this point so um a lot of people they have the goodness of their heart a lot of coaches they really want to take their time to explain things um and and it's it comes from a good place but um at the end of the day just like you said dad it's like you know if you spend more than a couple minutes explaining the drill you are wasting valuable practice time um time for these kids to you know essentially get better at whatever at hockey or if you're a coach of other sport whatever sport they're playing um and especially at a certain level i think usa hockey is starting to do a good job of tuning into the fact that you know maybe these 10 12 year olds don't need to learn how to do breakouts just yet um, let's focus more on development and then to speak into more into that development side of it, just like you said about the scrimmaging, um, you know, Bob Johnson was was a brilliant coach and, and uh, he's obviously he's he's a legend in, in a lot of ways. Um, there's a lot of players that played for him. And, and I think they would all say the same thing about Bob. And Mark is, is Mark Johnson's the same same way um, with his, his program in, in University of Wisconsin with the women's program. And he's had just a, a ton of success there. Um, but you know, we, we tend to get away from the fact that kids just need to play hockey. They need to you just drop a puck out there, let them figure the game out for themselves. Um, I think a lot of coaches want to be micromanagers, even at the, the, the youngest levels in this game. And and it's very detrimental. Um, and, and again, like I said, I understand that it comes from a really good place and you really want to coach and, and teach these kids. But um, sometimes you got to let low, let let loose and, and um, give up some control and let these kids learn for them for themselves. And you said it early on. Jack Johnson said it last episode. They're going to learn that way. Um, and if you do give them that space, I think they're going to remember you as a coach more than um more than if you were you know, overcoaching or, or teaching them too much. Um, they're going to remember you as a great coach, not not the coach that had them sitting on, on one knee for 20, 30 minutes while you explain a drill. Um, I, I right. have coaches out here in Park City. Um, you know, I, I like everybody that I've met out here. I love everybody that i met. This has been a great place, a great hockey atmosphere to just come in and help. And there's coaches here that make the same mistake. Um, you know, you go out there, you want to help out with practice. And, you know, you find yourself even as a coach trying to help out with practice that you're sitting behind these kids while they're all on one knee and the coach is going on and on and on for 15 minutes about a breakout drill. And you're just sitting there like, come on, dude, like, let's go. And and I can't even imagine what these kids right. are thinking. So um, right. I think that's a really great point. Um, do you want to speak more into that? Yeah, I would love to. I mean, I, I, it just brings up so many things in my mind. And, and again, you're 100% right. USA Hockey is doing some great things now. They've got some stuff online, but again, it's really tough to, to coach hockey if you've never really played the game, even if you mean really well. And most of these guys mean really well. And uh, uh, and that's the reason, believe it or not, why I ended up coaching you for such a long time is because I, I, I there's not that many hockey people out there. There's a lot of people that want to think they are, but I would rather coach my own son and and take the heat from that than to have someone else that doesn't know what they have going and have you on one knee all the time um i mean i i remember at the end of uh, every hockey season that i coached well there was mites squirts peewees the coach would come up to me and they'd say and the parents would come up and they say oh god it was so fantastic what a great year we had such a great coach and i said yeah tell my son that his his coach sucked you know in his mind so one of the things that i 
I think about it in this hockey is that I actually, Dave Peterson, a former Olympic coach, and I coached with him in, in Aspen and Vail, Colorado, a few times, fortunately, with working for the Johnson Hockey Schools when you were out there. But I, I, I had an opportunity one time to talk to him one-on-one, and I was concerned about one-hour hockey players because we only had one-hour ice time twice a week, and they became one-hour hockey players. And he said he agreed, but at the same time at that time, which is a while ago, he said, my concern is we're developing one-hour hockey coaches. You know, they, that's all they do is they, they plan and they do this and they do that, and then they feel really good about themselves when they leave the ice and they really haven't done anything. Um, the, the other part of that I, I think of is that, you know, we just, ice is the teacher, but where's the ice? Somehow you got to get ice. When you were a squirt, I, I broke everything down. I would go out and, and instead of having... I don't know how anybody ever coaches with 11 players on the ice at one time. It's the biggest waste of ice time. And as a coach, that was the hardest thing for me to ever do is because I was used efficiently the ice. And at the same time, if I had 10 guys, I had to use time to rest. So I always broke it up and said, I'd go to another coach and say, Hey, you know, if we come in on Wednesday and you guys could practice with us, so we'd end up practicing three times a week with more kids on the ice, but we'd be developing hockey. So I was, I was always in tune to that. And I always wanted to make sure that, um, you know, we were able to, to, to steal ice and, and, and to help you guys, you know, play hockey. And I always use this analogy and I'm watching, you know, the last dance right now with Michael Jordan. It doesn't matter if it's hockey, football, track. It's kind of all the same thing, the team functions and developments. But even as great as Michael Jordan was, I always say, can you imagine if Michael Jordan was only allowed to play basketball for an hour on Tuesday night and an hour on Thursday night? And after that, he wasn't allowed to go out in his driveway and shoot. He wasn't allowed to do anything. And during that practice, they all worked on the box, the four and one, or I don't know basketball at all, but you know, whatever drill it was. And so he had, Michael Jordan had to sit three quarters of each practice, listen to some coach that doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, so that's my analogy. And, and I, and I, I think that's, uh, you know, it's always, whether it's right or wrong, that's kind of what's driven me as a coach is that get on the ice, get going and, uh, and, and develop some creativity, which I'd love to talk about later. You know, like as an outsider to hockey too, I think that, that probably helps develop the passion and the love for the game. You, you were talking earlier about track and how hard it is for you to, to get that same drive and stuff from your athletes. And that's because, you know, running fast is just, it's not as fun as playing a game. I, I'm a hammer thrower. I come from throwing, you know, there, there's a, a different type of pleasure in it. It takes a while to, to develop that and get the reward out of it. It's not a game though. Um, and with a game, you can get people playing immediately and you, you get to feel what it's like and that keeps people wanting to come back for more. So that's going to drive them more, drive them to work harder, drive them to do those things off the ice and get that mindset, which, you know, Jack has talked about that he developed pretty young, uh, that mindset to, to be the best athlete you can be. Yeah, I think that, yeah, you're nailing it, Martin. And, and Dad, you, you, I, there's just something I really want to talk about. It's stirring up in me that you brought up ice time. Um, you've, you've really made that clear when we were young. I remember you talking to our, our my team is a squirt, um, you know, a 10 year old or whatever age squirts are. Um, and, and you're just saying one hour or two hours a week is not enough. You have, you have to be shooting pucks in your basement. You got to be finding ways that, you know, get ice if you can, or, or if you can't get ice, you got to find ways to, to get better off the ice. And you really drove that home. And, and, and the reason why this really stirs up something in me is because I think everything's changed so much from that where, um, obviously depending on the area in the United States, but I grew up in, in Pete Johnson, Mark Johnson's brother 
I was the manager of the rink at in Verona, Verona, Wisconsin. And I remember just calling the rink. I probably drove the guy crazy, but it was just like, Hey, do you have any free ice? Is, a, is the ice just sitting there wide open? And he'd say, yeah, come on out. And I could go out there for half an hour and just wheel around there. There were times when, when Pete, and this is like, this would be a massive liability nowadays, but he, while he was doing the ice, he'd, he'd allow me to go out there while he's on the Zamboni. And, and I would be, you know, skating hard on the, on the, on the, you know, used ice while he's cleaning up the rest of it. So my, my ice skating space would keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller as a Zamboni would clean up the ice, but I was still working on something. I was still getting that ice. And nowadays that is gone. Those opportunities are gone. Um, I, I really, again, I, I, I try to empathize with people that are running everything, but, you know, I look at park city here and, and maybe I'm not going to make any friends or I'm going to maybe you know, piss people off by saying this here locally, but you know, the rink here, there's one rink in the area and I get it. There's a ton of programs going on, but there's also like a lot of kids in the area that really want to learn about hockey. And I don't think there's, you know, there's, you got, you've always had figure skating programs. I'm not, I'm not even going to go down that route of figure skating, which is, it's a great sport. I got a lot of respect for it. Um, and, but they always seem to kind of complain about the hockey players getting more ice in them. And that's just a whole different issue but um you have all these community programs going on locally and and all that stuff but where is the ice for these kids to get better you know the local program um was considering hiring me you know my my academy to come help out when i was doing you know just coaching for 10 months before i went back to germany to play and it was so funny they they were like yeah we want your service we want you to come out there and, and coach our teams and after even after the decision was made i, I kind of was laughing when i was like well, where are you going to find the ice? You know, and it's like it would be nice for you know these towns and these community people to to understand that maybe it's more important to find ice for these kids locally that are playing a team sport. That it's rare to find ice when you have one rink in the area, and and help these kids find a way to get these kids out on the ice and really understand that. And instead of maybe slotting two hours or three hours of sled hockey uh, a week, where you know maybe you can get away with just doing one hour, maybe a half an hour of it. Um, at managing managing the time slots a little better. I'm not a rink manager. I don't want to knock anybody in that position, but it, it seems to kind of as as a coach, I I saw it firsthand. I finally understood how frustrating it was and how frustrating it must have been for you, Dad. But then on top of it, and this is the last thing I'll say before I let you speak, is um, there are open ice spots. Open ice in Wisconsin, when I grew up, was come out there, bring your, you know, throw your gear on and go out with your buddies and play, just like Jack Johnson said. Now, open ice, I think, I think it's pretty much unanimous across the United States. Open ice is now given out sections of the ice are given out to coaches to do private lessons and then on top yeah. i've been out there and i've and i'm i'm guilty of it i've been out there making money off of private lessons while these kids are supposed to be on open ice open hockey and these kids and some of them like groups of kids start playing across the ice and doing scrimmaging and i'm like rooting them on i think this is great but then the person comes out on the loudspeaker and says no scrimmaging no scrimmaging yeah. or we will kick you off the ice and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. no developing what is, what is, yeah, what is going on? And and I think, like I said, USA Hockey is doing a good job. I think um, they're trying to create awareness, but I think more people need to kind of understand that development is playing. Just go out there and play, especially in the game of hockey. So I'm sorry I went really long-winded there, but you really stirred up that ice time, um, really, really kind of lit a fire under me there. 
Right. Yeah. Well, you can't slight slight anybody because they're all. I mean, their sports are important as well. The, the sled hockey, the, the figure skaters, but they all got to learn to work together. It's kind of like our divided country right now. We got to work together to make things happen, and uh, and and learn how to maximize the ice time. Like I said before, having having more kids on the ice, but yet doing things that create skills and things of that nature, and and it's a never ending cycle. Um, I, I, I know even though it's one rink, Madison has such few rinks, they still don't, they have less rinks now than when I was playing. And, and, and Bob Johnson made sure that they had outdoor rinks and things of that nature. Um, so, and, and, and up here, they've got two rinks in a town of 13,000 people. But what they've done is that they've, they just, it's just such a waste of ice time in so many respects. They've brought in a junior team and they've done everything. They've got two rinks and yet the squirts or the mites, of the, well, they get, they get two hours of ice time a week. Well, why did you get two rinks? You know, there should be a reason. I go back to, uh, you know, the, the and, and again, you know, the, the outdoor ice, the outdoor ice, when, when, when I was growing up, that's where I learned the game. My dad bought me my one stick and I used it for three years. He put glass tape on it uh, and, and he wrapped it and wrapped it and wrapped it and wrapped it. I got one puck and I had to keep finding that puck in the snowbank. And by the time I realized that my, I needed a new stick. It was like two inches wide instead of two inches high because it had shattered and it was held together by fiberglass. But that didn't bother me. I just wanted to keep playing playing the game. Bob Johnson talking. I just keep bouncing around here. But Bob Johnson, uh, he would have rushing games on Sunday at Dane County Coliseum where, you know, the college players and the, and the local players would all come out there for, for a couple hours and play and pretend that they're the Russians against the, you know, the Canadians or the Americans or whatever it happened to be. But it was just for the love of the game. And that's what, that's what, uh, you know, developed things. And as far as where do you get the ice, you just find ice. Even, I mean, when I was a little kid, I used to, I used to go down to the park in the morning in the spring when there was, and you could skate, you could literally do this to this day. You can find a piece of ice, whether it's 10 by 10 and you can skate until the sun comes up. And that's what I did. Um, and, and that's what I, I, I that's kind of how I think if I developed you at all, is that I remember getting you on outdoor ice at an early, early age and, and, and playing the game. And I, I, as a teacher, I would have in-service days where the kids were off school and I would end up being, uh, having to, uh, you know, uh, go in, go into the school for periods of time. And I would just drop you off down at Vilas Park, an outdoor rink in Madison. I'd drop you off. And then after like, two and a half hours I'd race back down there going, Oh my God, I just left my kid at an outdoor rink. And I go down there and I go, dad, I want to stay. And so I would leave you there and come back two or three hours later. But, but, and you, I think learned to love the game in that fashion, the kids, and I, and, I, and I'm talking too much too, but I'm, I'm trying to throw it all together here. But I remember uh, when I first coached a uh, uh, Madison West back in the uh, like late eighties and like 80, we had the best team ever in like 89 or whatever. And I had them down at Violet's park, the same rink where you learn to love the game. And I love the game and we were playing outdoor. We, pra- we practiced indoors. Then we go outside we do relays. We do all kinds of stuff. We just play hockey, da, 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 da. And then at the end of the week, my, a couple of my captains came to me and said, coach, uh, got a question we got we got some concerns in the team here we just got to bring some things up to you and i go hey yeah what's up and they go uh, they just want to know you know you know why why you hate us and i go why i hate you and they go how's that coming and they said well because you got us outdoors playing you know we got to we play outdoor <laughs> so we don't know why we're being it's, that's a true story we don't know why we're being punished and i was like oh my god let me explain to you where this came this this, this came from and i think you know um Martin, that goes back to again is that it's really fun to play hockey. 
it's it's not fun to be a hammer throw. I've never been a hammer throw, but I can't imagine that. Probably the biggest <laughs> thrill for you is to spin around and throw that son of a gun. But the work that you have to put into it to develop that is what 99% of the people out there don't realize. And 99% of the work you do is not spinning around and throwing that hammer. You know, it's 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 the work to fun ratio is very different. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's it's funny because I was just talking to this about talking uh, with a local coach here in Park City about that on the phone yesterday. He said there's a, a I think a couple of years ago, uh, or when he was growing up in Michigan, uh, a team from Czech Republic came over and they played against his team in Czech in, in Michigan, and and they just shelled shelled his team, like just crushed them, and. Um, the, his coach went up to their coach afterwards and said, you know, what do you guys do for development? And he said, well, we don't ever play games. Um, and, and their right. coach, you know, he's like, what are you, what are you talking about? You don't play games. No, the, the games are a treat. We, we, we develop our players off the ice. We, we do all this stuff. And I think, you know, Angelo Ricci in episode three brought that up as well. He said, you know, that's kind of been a lost pursuit. Um, in the, in the development world for, for current hockey players. And, and um, we're seeing now, you know, he explained that there people are now seeing more ACL injuries or hip injuries or kind of redundant uh, injuries due to the fact that kids aren't kind of well-balanced athletes. They're not playing other sports. They're, they're not really developing other parts or they're focusing, you know, hockey's a year round sport and you're playing, you know, a hundred games a year plus tournaments and, you know, do five, 10 games a weekend, whatever it is. Um, And it's just, it's, it's just, uh, I don't know if it's gotten out of control. I don't know if this is the right way or the wrong way, but it it seems to be a little bit out of control in my eyes. Um, But again, I I haven't really been involved in development that much, but what were things dad, like for parents that are hearing, like what were things that you talked about my development or, you know, me falling in love with the game? How did you, I got to imagine it was really hard for you to let that, relinquish that control to allow the game to kind of you know enter my life without you forcing me because i know you were really passionate about the game yourself and there are a lot of parents that are passionate about the game how does a parent allow their kid the space to just love it and just fall in love with it themselves it's it's really is tough because you look around and you see other parents that that may have more money than you or whatever they have. And they're taking their kids to a camp or they're doing all this development things. But again, or going to a tournament where they're spending three days, four days in Chicago and the, and the, and the tournament is getting a cutback from staying in the hotels. So, uh, so you play three games in four days, so you stay an extra night in a hotel. So, so it's really tough that you're battling that. But, but I think again, the, the, the idea that the fact that, you know, hockey, the advantage we have is hockey is fun. Keep it fun. I mean, it's very easy to keep it fun, but you know, a, a hockey coach can also, I mean, with hard, good, hard work can also take the fun out of it and destroy a, a kid's game. And, and so you try to, you try to get the parents to understand that. And, and, and I, 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 I tell my parents in high school hockey, I, I would always see this. I'd say, you know, when you, when you, I don't care if your son's a freshman in our annual meeting at the beginning of the year or a senior. I said, your kid's career is almost over. I said, enjoy it. Don't be the parent that goes to the senior class tournament at the end of the year and watches the kid come off the ice and they give you a big hug. And then you kind of like scary eyed looking off into space going, that's it. 
So you better enjoy what you're doing at that time. Um, so, uh, you know, as far as development, and, and it's hard because every parent wants to, you know, do the best for their kids. So they're seeing things like these tournaments or, or like baseball is a great example or basketball where they travel all weekend long and they, and, they, and it's big money. It's a business to bring tournaments together. And so obviously, you know, the people who are putting those tournaments on really want to make money. So they're not going to say, ah, just go stay home and have fun and play hockey this weekend instead of playing video games with your thumbs and things like that. And the other thing I'd like to say is, you know, the creativity is, is so important. And, 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 and I wasn't as always good at this as I became. And that is, I know coaches want to have these specific drills and go up and down the ice and everything. But, but I was more of a coach, especially later in my career where I'd go, okay, here's the drill. And I'd put it out there and, and I used to blow them down all the time, but now I, but eventually I stopped blowing them down. I had a, a good friend of mine, my assistant coach, Dave Kepler Keps would, would he'd say, Hey, aren't you going to blow this drill down? I'd say, hey, Caps, just watch, just watch. And it'd be going on and the, the drill might've been a terrible drill. It might've been doing it wrong, but all of a sudden it became a drill that I had to write down to remember how to do it because it just became this phenomenal drill because they made it into hockey. We allowed them to be creative instead of stopping them saying, no, I want it to be done this way because nobody tells Crosby coming down the ice that, you know, when you're going to come over, you cross over, you do this, you do that, and you make sure you do that. He's reading what he's creating something or he's reacting to something. And we just take that away from kids. Um, and, and then as far as competition goes, I'm, I know I'm just kind of babbling along here, but I think of things and I've said this all my life is that let your kid learn how to compete in the sports we're talking about. I learned this down the park. We played so many different sports down in our park. We had a great neighborhood and a bunch of play, uh, you know, like broom hockey and we play basketball. And I remember I was not a, I was a terrible basketball player. I should have been kicked out of the league for playing basketball if I was in a league. But I, I remember being in a situation where I had to hit a free throw you know, to help my buddies in the park before lunch win. And I was like, Oh my God, the pressure, the pressure. I'm just like, Ugh. and I threw up a great big air ball. Well, I learned, I learned how to compete. I didn't have to play hockey. I didn't have to throw the hammer. I didn't have to do anything. I learned how to compete. And I, I listened to your podcast a couple of weeks ago, about with, um, you know, Jonathan Tays and man, there's no bigger competitor. Um, and, and, and he just drove himself you know, by, by competing, whether it was hockey or whatever he did in life, whether it was practice or games. And, 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 and you hear about Kobe Bryant and, 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 and all these successful hockey players, they're driven. They just wanted, they wanted to compete and it didn't matter whether it was checkers or, or playing cards or, or, or gambling, like, you know, or whatever it happened to be, uh, they wanted to compete. So I think that's a really important lesson. And, and uh, just again, kind of circling back to the parents, just, just relax let your kids be kids. Um, I remember one time, and I'll tell you this last story here that I'm going off into a tangent, but I remember there was a, when you were a young hockey player, Jack, there were actually you and a couple of really good hockey players on our team. And a parent kept saying, they can't play on the same line. I'm like, oh my God, you know what? Are you kidding me? They're hockey players. And, and uh, obviously we came out on the ice one night during a practice and, and uh, you guys were playing, uh, on a line and it just became a tattered mess. It was like, it, obviously they had been told from home, don't 
play with this guy or whatever. So I literally drew blue practice down. This is a story I'm telling without names, but I just, I feel like it's part of life and your life. And, uh, but I blew the practice down. I walked off the ice. I signaled to the parents and I brought the parents into the locker room. And I basically yelled at the little kids like you guys saying, you can play together. Anybody who thinks not, blah, 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 blah. So I blamed all the kids. But the reality was the parents in the room were getting a lecture from me. It was the way I did it, right or wrong. And I thought, it was, well, I've burned a lot of bridges. And I think that's why I just stopped because they're still on fire. Yeah, and that's okay. I, I think you're you're obviously a passionate guy, and I got a lot of that passion from you. And and um, yeah, obviously we as coaches we we're gonna burn bridges. Um, passions are gonna go go high. And I mean, I think sometimes passion comes from a good place. And and I think at that point you really cared about us kids, and and those parents needed to hear that, whether they took it the right way or not. I, I think at the end of the day, your heart was in the right spot. So. Um, which is pretty cool. And I think a lot of coaches need, again, it's the same coach that I talked to yesterday on the phone. Um, I think what was really cool about you as a coach, uh, something that I really admire still to this day, um, even you're still the same way. Um, you, you, you ran programs, right? You, you coached, you, you helped pretty much run team Wisconsin. I mean, dealing with difficult parents was, was a, a challenge i'm sure for you it's something that you constantly faced um again i don't want to hammer on parents here um we don't mean that but the i mean these are truthful conversations this stuff goes on any coach if he was telling you the truth would say this is a constant battle with any youth organization any youth hockey coach even junior levels even college coaches which is crazy to think of but even even you know i've, I've even heard of episodes where pro coaches are dealing with crazy parents, um, which is even crazier, but, um, you know, you, you really, what I admired, like I said, was the fact that you just, you cared more about the kids and you, than, than the parents' opinion and you were going to do what was right for the kids. And yeah, that may have burned a lot of bridges along the way, but there are a lot of kids that benefited from that. And there are even kids that, thought they didn't weren't benefiting i know you had a couple episodes in high school where kids maybe left the ice and were screaming at you and they hated your guts but then later on in life told you thank you for that time and that lesson that they learned um can you can you talk about that like what's it like as i mean how for these coaches to listen um how do you gain confidence enough to understand, like, listen, you can't please everybody and you're never going to, right. you need to have principles. Right. I think it's actually easier than you think, because first of all, the parents really want, I mean, they, they're in a tough spot because they want to make, do the best for their kids, but this is really their first time through it. And some of them haven't even been athletes before. They're all of a sudden they're, you know, they're seeing this stuff. So they're in a tough bind and, uh, you know, I, I'm not criticizing them. I mean, I was in the same position where you always want what's best for your kids. So sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees, you know, but, but, uh, I, I just think that, uh, when you, to me, the easiest thing to be was consistent. And I couldn't, they say like, when you lie, you know, you have, you have to be really smart and I'm not that smart. You have, if you have to tell the same lie, like four or five times in a row and it starts to change, I, I'm just not good at that. So the easiest thing for me was to tell the truth and to be up front. And, and, and I told parents that, I mean, I, I, I just, I felt like it was, was the right thing to do. If you want to develop your kid and if you want to make your kid happy, you know, go ahead and, and, and lie to them and they'll be happy for like their squirt and peewee year, but they won't be happy by the time they get to high school. I had a parent 
that that uh, again being straight up, we were at a, at a hotel and just got there after a snowstorm, and the the parents were loosening up a bit. And the parent told me, he goes, you know what, what 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 can I do? You know, I want to ask you right now because this kid was the leading scorer. He was the oldest kid in the team. He had developed already, and you were just a little you know just a little wiener. And uh, I, I said, and he said, what what could you do to help my kid learn to play, you know, become a really good hockey player? What, what can he improve on? And I said, well, it's pretty simple. Did you want to hear it? He goes, yeah. I said, he's got to learn how to skate. And he looked at me like I was just the craziest guy in the world. But he, he, was, he was playing on his ability and things of that nature. But the guy had a poor, poor skating stride. And so he's our leading scorer in, in squirts and peewees. Gets to high school, and he's a JV player. You know, so, you, I mean, to me, I still feel good about telling that parent the truth. And maybe somewhere along the line, if he didn't believe it to begin with, you know, we found out later on that you probably should have listened, but it's hard. It's hard because again, parenting, I've certainly haven't always listened to my advice. I've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes, but you got to kind of learn from them and try to hope. And so I, I think again, if you can just be honest with them um, and, and, but again, there are systems out there and coaches that are trying to make money and they're going to, they're going to tell them what they want to hear. And, and that's really a tough, that's a tough gig to, 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 to conquer. So that's, yeah, that's, that's all my thought is on that. Yeah, that's, I think that's great. Um, that's something that I learned myself. Um, like I said, I, my time away from playing the game, um, as a professional, I, I learned how to coach young, young athletes, young kids and on and off the ice. And that was definitely something that was really challenging for me. And I learned along the way, yeah, you have to be somewhat of a politician and you got, there's a lot of grace you got to sprinkle in with the truth. But yeah, at the end of the day, um, what's important for coaches to understand is you have to tell the truth. You have to, um, and and regardless of the parent is going to like it or not, um, whether they like it in the moment or not, doesn't matter. At some point they are going to appreciate it later on. Um, and, and you're not wasting their time. You're not wasting their money. And, um, right. Which reminds me of, uh, you know, like I was in park city and I talked to a couple of your coaching friends and, and the weirdest thing that I got was, is that when I told them that, you know, you got to say it straight, you got to tell these, you know, tell them what's going on or tell the kid. And they looked at me like I was the weirdest guy in the world. Like, how can you do that? And to me, how can you not do that? You know? Um, and, right. but I, so I just throw that back at you. Yeah. I think, and, and I think in reality, I think empathizing with coaches, um, again, we're, we're talking about volunteer coaches or some guys that, you know, have played the game to a certain level and they want to give back to the community and, and they, they really want people to like them. Um, and that's fine. Um, and, and also they're probably considering the fact that that certain parent or the group of parents are paying a lot of money for their kid to be a part of that organization. So they, they want everybody to be happy. But I said, you know, as I said, I think in the first episode, it's just, you can't worry about that. You know, if, if you're as a coach, your main focus needs to be about developing these young players and re, regardless of kind of what the, the parents really think, um, because if you're doing the right thing, if you're really trying your best to develop these young players, um, that's at the end of the day, that's what matters. Um, you, you don't want to you don't want to you can't please everybody. It's just, someone's always going to be upset, but you keep these kids in mind. And then, you know, for the parents, like I said, in the first episode, it's like, you got to trust the coach that he's, he's trying his best 
to develop these kids. And if he's not developing your kid, you have every single reason to leave. But if he is and your kid isn't on the right team in your eyes, like I said, I don't want to repeat myself from episode one, but um, then, you know, if you leave, that's it's on you. It's, it's, it's not the organization's fault. And from the coach's perspective, yeah. you have to remember the parents are paying you to develop the athlete. The parents aren't paying you to tell them nice things. The parents aren't paying you to be their friend. They're paying you to develop their athletes. So, you know, a lot of them are going to be more understanding than you might think. You, you might think you're trying to avoid conflict. And that's, I mean, that's as a coach myself, I, I run into the same issues. So I'm not perfect in that area. But, um, you know, in the end, there's often a lot less conflict than you, you think there will be by telling it like it is. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you have to wait for the results. Like Jack said, you know, it might not hear for years later, or you might have to wait, you know, until overnight when it sinks into that parent's mind and he goes, parents said to learn to trust the coach. I mean, in our family, uh, my wife had to learn how to trust uh, her husband because there was a time I I told, told my wife when she was uh, like, when Jack was like 10 years old, I said, you know what? You better enjoy your son right now because you know, he's going to be leaving home in a few years. And she's like over my dead body. And, uh, and then Jack left and, you know, unfortunately she's still here, but uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but so <laughs> that, that's a tough, <laughs> that so for a parent to hear sometimes, but it, she, it was like, my kid's not going to leave home. My kid's going to do this. And, and that, that's a different example, but is it, you, you just, you want so much for your kid and to be around your kid and have them success. And so I thought that yeah, was that's cool. And I think that's, what's really valuable about having you on, on the show is, is, um, just having, giving parents the opportunity to really hear it from the horse's mouth as far as a parent that has experienced all of it. Um, I don't want to drag too long, but I mean, there are some, I mean, I could talk to you for hours on this topic. We, we talk off, off the show. We, we talk about this stuff all the time, dad, but, um, you know, you experienced as an athletic director, you experienced a lot, um, dealing with with parents uh, i don't think we need to touch the parent topic any anymore but um you know maybe as a scout let's let's i like i like talking about this topic because the parent really these days is really interested about uh, the idea, their main focus is about exposure for their kids, right? And and um, yeah. what's really cool about it is hearing about that exposure, um, what that even looks like. What are what are scouts looking looking for? Um, um, on top of it, as a parent, what kind of opportunities can you look for for your kid? And is there sometimes does it kind of get out of hand? Um, are we kind of trying to do too much for a kid when when really you know Jonathan Tave said it? Um, if you're a good enough player a lot of us people in this with sport believe if you're good enough, you will be discovered eventually. That, that is the key right there. I mean, you, first of all, spend your energy developing a kid on and off the ice. So he develops in all, it becomes a good human being. Number one, uh, number two, if he develops into, or she develops into a good hockey player, they're going to find you. It isn't like you are creating opportunities for the scout to come find you is that they, the scouts know what they're doing. They, they listen, they hear, they check. And I, I can tell you this, one of the best scouts of all is Grant Stanbrook. And, and he was, he was incredibly played. He, he coached at the university of Wisconsin, um, but he was like always on the road. And I think that's what people are missing nowadays. The amount of effort that a scout puts in, they, they, they aren't calling parents up and saying what's going on. And this is my one story about Grant Stanbrook is that he's almost as crazy as I am. I mean, I remember being at a, uh, a, 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 a camp 
I, I, I like to watch hockey. doesn't matter what, when. So I would go watch practices instead of watching you scrimmage and whatever. I'd watch the teams that are practicing. And I went to a practice at 7 a.m. in the morning. And, and uh, I, I walked in and there's Grant Stanbrook. And Grant Stanbrook is not looking at me eye to eye because he's watching the game. And he was there at seven o'clock in the morning to watch a guy, a goalie play when it didn't matter whether they won or not. And the goalie's name was, was uh, Howard, Jimmy Howard. And uh, he ended up recruiting him for, cause he was, he was recruiting for uh, Providence at the time. And obviously Jimmy Howard's playing for Detroit right now in the national hockey league, but he would find those places. And, and, and I remember, believe it or not, I was actually in, Bismarck, North Dakota. Where's that? And it was at a tournament in our building in Bismarck, Dakota. And all of a sudden I looked out and here's Grant Stanbrook that time back in, you know, like in, in the early eighties. And it was like, and he said, excuse me, I, I Lee, how's it going? That's great to see you, but then don't, don't mind me. Cause I'll never take my eyes off the game, but I'm listening to you. Just, just, you know, they will find you. They know, they know what to do and they'll, and they'll find you. Uh, so I wouldn't, we were, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Yeah, and that and Angela spoke about that episode three. We brought up Austin Matthews being an Arizona kid. Um, he found a way in the National Hockey League. He seems to be doing pretty well. Uh, he was discovered. Um, there are there are other kids that are in the National Hockey League that grew up in in places like Utah and and you know Washington State and and all that, um, where the the hockey demographic isn't isn't too large. Um, the hockey population isn't too big, and um, but there there are there are opportunities. People do talk scouts, scouts talk in the, the hockey world. And this is something that I can, I can verify big time is it is tiny. The hockey world is tiny. Everybody seems to know everybody within the hockey world. And usually if you need to know something about anybody, it usually takes maybe one phone call, maybe one email, one text message nowadays to f- just get a little bit of an inf- information. So um, I think that's a really cool part. And, and it's really, I think I, I have to imagine it's really hard for a parent um, to really trust that, trust the fact that, you know, if you focus really on, on the things that matter, like the development of your kid him, them, them growing it up into uh, and a good human being and, and teaching them the good values um, off the ice, but also how to be, you know, a good, good, good athlete as a whole, play other sports and develop them on, on the ice as well. And, and really take your time and be patient. As Martin said, I think it was in the first episode, just be patient with the process um, and trust it your kid is going to get discovered. I mean, really. Um, and at the end of the day, your kid is going to end up not getting burned out from the sport that they love. Um, you're going to be doing, doing your kid well. So um, I, I think this is, uh, is there anything else, Martin, that you kind of want to cover uh, for this podcast? It, it kind of one, one question I would have is, I mean, you mentioned there are different points in your career when you're younger, but then also when you're trying to get to the league where you, you know, had some struggles and stuff. And as a parent, I was just wondering what type of role did you play there um, to really help Jack get through that? Was it active or stepping back and letting him find things out on his own or um, how can parents best support through those hard times as well? Again, it's, it's, it's really, really hard because you know you want to make sure you, you you it's a tough time so you want to stay positive with your kid i think at that level it's a little bit different because you really want to stay positive because he's being you're being browbeaten you're being put in positions where um you know it's it's really tough in your life in general and and uh i mean i've always i've always watched you know, the guys i know that everybody has hard 
a guy like, you know, a guy who's playing first line or on the power play and he's had a real successful year in the NHL or wherever he is, it's, it's an awful lot easier to train the next year knowing that I'm going to get better. So I just have to learn how to win face-offs and I don't have to worry about coaches approval or things like that. So it's a, it's a real balancing act. And it's a really, I, I've always really admired a guy like Jack because he was never given any, um, and his preparation for hockey seasons, it was, it was just, it was bar none. No one, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, worked harder and had a better coach than, you know, like Steve Merle and off ice and things of that nature. And he stayed positive and it's just, so it's, again, it's, it's, I got to believe it's just either how he was brought up or the fact that, you know, he had that love for the game that no one was going to be able to take it away from him. So if you can develop a love for the game, go back to that again with these kids, if you can, if they learn to love the game and, and during those hard times, they will succeed. And, uh, that's about my only answer for that. Yeah. I think, um, what I would kind of talk to with Martin, it, yeah, just facing adversity and, and having to persevere through a lot of things and things that were a lot, a lot of the things are out of your control as a player at the pro level. And I think, uh, the best players in the world kind of clue into the fact that, um, just that it's out of their control and they they kind of learn to manage that those emotions and i think that it took me a little bit longer to clue into it um it was kind of maybe a little bit too little too late um at that point in my career towards the end and in the nhl at least i'm still playing obviously in germany but um you know i think some of the adversity like i said to you martin i don't know if we aired aired some of this stuff but um you know, being one of the best players on my team my whole life and then getting to the pro level where I'm not no longer yeah. the best player and uh, I'm expendable. Um, that was a really hard, hard lesson to learn at such a late point in in, in life, really. Um, and and I think as a parent, I, I got to imagine it was really hard to kind of see your kid turn go from super confident to um, questioning himself and, and going through the, the peaks and valleys of of those emotions and and um i know it was really hard for you i know we've we've had some really difficult times but um is there any kind of like valuable lessons that you may be looking back on all of it uh learned as a parent um maybe to how, how to support your kid at any age really i mean obviously we're talking about my adversity came later on closer in, in the start of my pro career and through my pro career but um maybe parents are experiencing some some adversity at younger ages uh, I, again, I think it, you know, you, you, you learn from your mistakes, and I wish I was better at it. I, I wish I'd been more positive, but I think, you know, it, it, if you can do anything, and it goes it relates back to scouting, you know, it, it's one of the things that people forget is that they're scouting that player on the ice, but, you know, and you said that it's a small world out there, but they are also in high on the list is what kind of a kid, what kind of a human being is this that, that's been developed. And so if you get a black mark there that you're just not a team player, you're a jerk or whatever it is, it's a tougher hill to climb for you. And uh, so circling back to like, if you're developing a kid that's well-rounded, the best you can as a parent, and there's no, I mean, I don't care how many books you read or whatever, until you've gone through it, you don't know everything. But if you're trying to develop a good, strong character kid, when they do hit those crappy times, because even the guys who win Stanley Cups, even the guys who um, have had it all, are eventually not going to have it all. There's very few people that go through life that don't have it all, that 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 don't have a downtime. And our society right now is really looking at a downtime, obviously. But if you're a well-rounded human being, I think that you learn to develop 
those skills that get you through those really tough times. And I, as a parent, it hurt me as much as it hurt you to see you go through tough times. But in the end, I think you got through it because of the kind of human being that, that you are and, and, and very proud of that. So, and, and, I, and, I, and, to, and to kind of circle back to, the, to me, the, what I would like to end up with is, you know, the development of hockey players and the things that may, maybe of something that bad happens, something positive happens. And if, if only people in this pandemic could see that now really let your kid go down to the park and do social distancing by playing catch or playing baseball with the neighbor kid and, and let them play, let them do their thing and stay away, do some real social distancing, let your kid play communicating with a very concerned hockey coach, parent, mother up here who's really, really, really good, but she was concerned that this would throw her kid's development off this next year. And I said, you know what? This may be the best thing in the world. Let your kids love the game. Let them get every single piece of ice time that they can. Let them go out and play while everyone else sits around and complains that their kid can't play. And I said, your, your kid is going to make leaps and bounds in development in this off, off year because they're just learning to play game and becoming a better player and a better human being. Yeah, I think that's really good, valuable advice to hear. Um, you know, I think um, it's it just no journeys, no journeys the same. You know, there's going to be, like I said, peaks and valleys along the way. I had a parent call me the other day asking me what their kid should do or what they should do for their kid. Um, and I, it just my response never changes. It's is your kid, what is the best opportunity for your kid to develop? I don't care about winning games. Your kid's 14 or 15 or, or 12, whatever. I don't care about winning games at that level. What, what as a coach, but if as a parent, what you should be focusing on is what is your kid doing to develop? And is this organization, the two, the two choices that you have, which one is going to give your kid the best chance to develop, to grow as a hockey player, as a human being. And at the end of the day, that's what's important. And I'm not, I told this parent, like, I'm not going to make the decision for you. And this parent might even be listening to this podcast. And I, and I really appreciate them trusting my advice. Um, but at the end of the day, I can only say so much like, and, and those are tough decisions to make and you never know um, if it's the right one, but there's always a lesson, whatever route you take. And I think that's really cool. Something I admired you about you as a father is you, you kind of adapted as you went along and, and, um, I know there are some difficult times, but I, I think it's important, um, to just understand that you got to be patient with the process. You got to really support your kid and, and some, some of the stuff that the, your kid's going to go through, especially for me later in my pro career, um, that was really for me to go through. Um, I needed to learn on my own and, um, there's as much as, as a parent, you want to reach in and save your kid. Um, Hey, there's, that's life. Like life isn't easy. And we all grow from those challenges. So dad, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on our show. Uh, I hope you parents and, and coaches and whoever is listening to this got something out of this podcast. Please give us your, your comments and feedback. You know, you can contact uh, Martin via Hammer Media Productions. Um, obviously, we're on iTunes and Spotify now. So we, we, we thank you for, for joining us. And, Dad, awesome having you. Martin, um, is there anything else you want to you wanna add? No pleasure to meet you, Lee. So nice talking. All right. A, Thanks, guys. And, uh, it, it, Jack? It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure to meet you too, Martin, and and, and hopefully I could add something to this. But uh, so so very nice talking to you. And as Jack, as always, uh, when we end our conversation, I like to tell you, 
I love you, big guy. I love you too.